<laughs> Did that make sense? Yeah. Should I say it again? Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, I think that when a ritual is designed well, it is designed to make space for the soul to flourish and to show up. Betty Ray uses design thinking to help individuals and communities create meaningful rites of passage to navigate transitions. She's a recent graduate of the Spirituality Mind Body Institute at Teachers College, part of Columbia University. She's currently developing a program called Human Nature Academy to work with adolescent rites of passage. Join me for a conversation with Betty Ray. This is Shame Pinata. I'm Colleen Thomas. Welcome to Shame Pinata, where we talk about creating rites of passage for real-life transitions. We're going to tackle two ideas today. The first is to explore the benefits of ritual, what it does, and how it can be useful to us. We will reflect on some of the ways our ancestors use ceremony and look at the benefits ritual can bring to us today. The second thing we'll touch on is a certain kind of ceremony you may not have heard about before. As you know, this season on Shame Pinata, we are focusing on weddings and commitment ceremonies. There have been an increasing number of people over the past decade who have decided to commit to themselves instead of, in the absence of, or alongside the presence of a partner. It's called self-commitment or self-marriage, and it's gaining popularity. So let's dive in. In our first episode, we talked about the power of ritual to create a container for the strong emotions that come with transition. Getting married, losing a loved one, the birth of a child, the end of a relationship. These are all times when our way forward changes. The future in front of us is totally new, where the sidewalk ends, as poet Shel Silverstein said. Who we were won't work anymore. We must become someone new. We must become the husband the mother, the single person. The ceremonies that we turn to at these times help mark the beginning of these transitions, but they can be limited. Weddings, for example, can focus so heavily on joy that they block out any feelings of grief or loss, which are a normal and healthy part of any transition. And funerals can feel stilted and solemn, laying expectations that grief is only appropriately expressed in tears, when in fact, healthy grief shows up in a wide variety of ways. We can work with the traditional rituals as we have inherited them, making them deeper, richer, and more personalized for our own needs. We are 100% capable of this because ritual is an inherent part of being human. Here's Betty Ray. So I feel like ritual is one of those things that has been in human experience since we were very, like, since we were putting pigment on cave walls. I mean, ritual has been part of the way that humans have oriented ourselves. I mean, my, I think the earliest um, rituals were really a response to a chaotic world and to uncertainty and unpredictability. And rituals gave people a sense of regularity and structure and, and they served to bind the community together that we would all come together at the harvest, or we would come together to sow the seeds and the crops or the hunt or, you know, as young people came of age, there was a way for communities to reaffirm their bonds and it was a way to sort of stay connected to the larger world in a way that felt safe 
because you know obviously when you know when you don't know why the sun is you know why when the moon goes in front of the sun and like it's going dark and you don't know why that's happening that's pretty scary so you know having stories and narratives and mythologies and rituals to kind of keep these um, keep communities bonded together was a was a way to to keep them safe and and obviously propagate um rituals have been going on forever so we have you know and there's been a lot of study about rituals and and research about the role of them and you know and the one thing that i think is so interesting is that we know from all of the research that that rituals have been like literally from every country in every mm-hmm. culture and every society since the beginning like we just do it it's human it's in our dna i don't know if it's in our dna that's not a scientific word <laughs> but i mean they are really powerful and people do them and and why why is that why do people do that i mean that's you know that's exactly your question but i think it's i do think it's about become be helping us feel safe and connected with one another rituals offer people a structure amid chaos and whether that's back in the day when we didn't know if a mountain lion was going to come over the hill or today when all of our systems are falling apart you know that when when we have a sense of familiar i mean the 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 mark of a ritual is that it's it is rigid it's familiar you do the thing as it's always been done and you do it with an intention to to devote yourself to that practice so that devotional angle that devotional element of like i am surrendering myself to do this thing that is bigger than me is healthy for people to have a sense of right relationship with our with our with lar- with things that are larger than us i think that when we have a ritual that is that is designed to help us grieve something or help us celebrate life or help us with more life transitions. And this gets us a little bit into rites of passage, but those rituals are really, there's an element of them that, that is that in which ego death is facilitated. We are no longer in control. It is not our thing we're pushing through. It is a larger thing that, you know, when you go into a ritual space, you are suddenly in a place that is less driven by the you know, sort of cognitive, intellectualized approach, and it becomes more of a soul practice. And I'm really interested in the soul practice because I think the soul, the, the healthy element of rituals to my mind is that it nurtures the soul. And we are desperate in this, in our 21st century, hyper-mediated, hyper-technology focused environmental crisis place. We are, we need this more than anything in my view. Mm-hmm. You gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I really think, I mean, it's so important. It is so important because the soul is smart. You know, the soul can really help us. The soul has a way for us to, the soul knows a lot and it's very wise. And it's very, Parker Palmer said once that the soul is like a wild animal. It isn't something that you can be like, hey, soul, come out and party with us. Or like, you know, come on, I'm going to make you come out. It's it's a wild animal and it's, and it's fragile. Cultivating a place for the soul is an art and it needs certain kinds of tending. It needs to be welcomed and know it's going to be okay and, and be able to express its wildness, which means it's not always going to be pretty. We live our day-to-day with so little awareness of the soul. We are so much about like getting the car and going to work and like, and I've got to, you know, figure out all this, you know, the things I've got to figure out in my day and I've got to write this and I've got to talk to these people and we're just in our heads and in our doing mode. And rituals provide a space for us to be in a more creative, deeper, messier, in a sense, soul world, where the soul is is able to come out and be curious and be um, aware 
and we can listen to our souls with more clarity and we can hear it more clearly because the ritual provides a, a buffer or a boundary between the sort of the crazy of every day and the increasing crazy of every day that the rituals give us a quiet centering practice that we can rely on to be nurturing to that soul part of ourselves. Self-commitment can be defined in many ways. At its heart, it means committing to ourselves first, being our own chosen one. It's mainly a women's thing right now, but I'm hoping that will change. Women commit to themselves in many situations. After a breakup, if they're tired of putting their energy into looking for someone, or when they're about to get married. Ceremonies can be as simple as putting on a ring in a self-marriage workshop or as elaborate as planning a full wedding. Betty took the opportunity to design a self-commitment ceremony for herself about 20 years ago. As this episode will be airing on Valentine's Day, we thought this was a wonderful time to share her story. Oh my gosh. Well, I wasn't planning on having a self-commitment ceremony, actually. Um, It was the end of the millennia. It was December 1999, and I had been involved with this conversation with this guy who I had had this like massive crush on for a long time. And I was really like, we were supposed to go down to Mexico to a Mayan pyramid. (laughs) We were going to hang out down there and I was going to conceive a baby. (laughs) This is really embarrassing. And um, that was my grand plan. And anyway, he like at the last minute was like, no, I don't want to do that. And, but he didn't really tell me and I was embarrassed and I was like, and mostly I was just, like he, I was heartbroken and embarrassed and I felt really stupid. And so, um, on New Year's Eve, 1999, I, um, I had bought this ring that had the drama faces on it, you know, the tragedy and the comedy. And I had this idea to go up to the top of Bernal Hill with my ring and I brought uh, my checkbook and a candle and I, um, I kind of had an idea that I was just going to, so I got up there. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with all this stuff, but I knew I wanted the ring because I was, and that was part of the design of this was, so I got up to the top of Bernal Hill and I wrote myself a check to myself and I wrote a check to him and I lit the candle and I burned the check to him and I'm not going to spend any more time on you, dude. Mm. And the check to myself, I folded and I put it like near my heart. I guess I was wearing, I probably put it in my bra, frankly. (laughs) And then I took the ring and I made a statement. I made a statement as San Francisco was my witness as I was up on the top of Bernal Hill. And it's kind of this cloudy, foggy, you know, gross San Francisco winter day, um, kind of on the, at the, at the winding down of this millennia, you know? And so I had this sort of weight, this gravitas of the sense of this millennia is ending and I'm, and I'm committing to myself for the new millennia to not get into drama with men anymore. And this was not the first time. (laughs) This is clearly a little bit of a pattern. I don't know if that's clear, but it was totally a little bit of a pattern. So um, So I took the ring and I put it on my left finger and I said that I will now, I now am committed to myself and I'm marrying my own drama so that I don't need to marry it 
externally. I don't need to bring my drama. I don't need to create it externally. And I certainly don't want to be engaged in a relationship with it anymore. I don't want to do that. That's done. Adios. And so I, I finished and I, and I blew out the candle and I went back home and I went out and I had an incredible New Year's Eve. And I was just like, I was in such gratitude, like, let that guy go. And I just, you know, I could feel dancing, I was dancing. And I just, you know, I danced him out. And I, and you know, and, and it was, it was a way for me to, to reclaim my power. It was a way for me to reclaim my sense of agency about myself and to not be so, you know, um, not to outsource my, my sense of self and my sense of purpose and strength. And so it was a really, really important thing to do. And I'm so glad I did it. And I wore that ring forever until I just about until I got married. <laughs> now I have a different one. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that was, yeah, that was my self-commitment. So it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was more of a, like, I got to heal. I feel stupid mm-hmm. and I'm humiliated mm-hmm. and I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. and I need to take care of myself because I did something really dumb. <laughs> wow. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was powerful. Wow. Wow. I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I love how you like, I took my checkbook. And I'm like, oh, what's going to happen with the checkbook? Like, this is really interesting. <laughs> well, it was, it was, you know, it was a symbol of, you know, back in the day, right? People had checkbooks. We probably don't have that anymore. <laughs> do you have a checkbook? I don't yeah, even I have do. a checkbook. Anyway, we, you know, that we had, you know, that it was a way for me to, 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 it was a metaphor for my um, money, which is power. Like it's my, it was a metaphor for my, um, my life force, which I was, I just, I had, really stupidly given up and just embarrassingly so because I mean I'm sure he was like who is this crazy stalker woman that wants to go to a Mayan pyramid with me and and my baby I don't know it's kind of funny but I'm not sure if it's like the long-term like realistic most realistic you know sane thing to do what exposure had you had to the idea of self-commitment before your own ceremony I don't think I had any exposure to it um I would again I, I had come to ritual through my mom and my mother and her use of ritual. And I knew that having rituals could catalyze change. And I've, I had done several other rituals over the course since my rite of passage one, um, that were sort of self-related, but they weren't self-commitment. That was different. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, I think, I honestly think these ideas float around the ether and that we pull them down when we need them. What are the benefits that you feel the ceremony brought to you short-term and long-term? Well, the short-term ones were that I just had the best New Year's Eve ever. (laughs) You know, um, the long-term benefits were that I had a a catalyst to an an experience that helped me catalyze a change in my attitude towards myself and my relationships. That it was an intentional taking back of my power and, and releasing him so that I could be more... A, you know, healthy and, you know, all the stuff that you want to be when you're not obsessed with someone. You know, I, I, I think that so the long-term effects were very real and that I feel like when, you know, I would get kind of like, oh, I wonder what he's doing or, you know, I would just take it back and be like, dude, dude, you just had this thing. You, you wrote that check. You can't, you know, that thing's burned. You don't have, he doesn't have that check anymore. You've got the check and that's not going to him. So there was a way in which it, the, just the gestures and the actions, the ring, I would look down at it and I would see it, 
you know, and I would see some, and I would maybe, you know, another several years later, you know, there was kind of a beginning of another relationship and I could feel the drama alert. Oh no, oh no, no, no. Look at that ring. Look at what you've got on. No, 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 no. Run away. <laughs> like it is not. So I think that part of the, it was the, the, the act, but also the sort of the, the, the gestures, the, the ring, the checkbook that, that really concretized it for me so that it helped. It was a tool that I would rely on as I kind of navigated through my, you know, some of these more treacherous waters that, which weren't as treacherous by that point. So the waters became less treacherous too, because I was more like my identity was less about, Oh, you need this kind of man or that kind of person you need to be in a relationship. I was single. I was happily. So Mm -hmm. it was really, it helped support that single exploration for me. Very, very, very helpful. How does being married or committed to yourself mix with being married or committed to somebody else? That's a great question. Um, Being married and committed to myself makes me a way better committed partner in reality because being committed to myself in the way in which I'm committed to myself means I'm more authentically myself and I'm not I don't hand over core parts of myself for my need for approval or my need for someone to tell me what to do or my need to be in control, whatever those needs are. Like I'm a much more um, whole partner as a result. So I can bring, I can bring elements of myself, my suckier, more annoying sides, as well as my, you know, loving and, and compassionate sides in with more authenticity and more integrity. Mm-hmm. So it, it actually made me a much better partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see no conflict there at all. Mm-hmm. It makes you a better person. Mm-hmm. When you're committed to yourself, you're much better. You're much, you have much more reserves to give. Mm-hmm. You can give a lot more. You, much more. you have much more resources to give, and that makes you a better partner. I actually had a version 2.0 of that ceremony. Um, when I met him, the man, I met him for coffee a couple years ago, and... Um, after he, and he's a writer and he's got, you know, he's just a really interesting person and very, um, you know, all the things that I loved about him, I got to see, you know, and it was really fun. And I was finally had my ass to, I had my act together. And, um, after he left, I made a conscious decision to go sit in the chair that he was sitting in and to like, take back the energy that I had given him long ago. So I did a deeper dive. So I think we can, so I guess what I'm saying is that we can always revisit our older commitment ceremonies and our older earlier ceremonies. We can, we can ceremony anything. (laughs) I mean, it's, you don't want to, you don't want to, one doesn't want to, but we can if we need to. Betty's story speaks to the power of ritual to help us gather our full selves back up from the chaos of chasing other people, which sometimes can happen even when we aren't meaning to do that. There are so many ways we can get lost in the idea of a partner completing us. It's kind of the water we swim in if you think about it. And when we find someone, it's easy to inadvertently toss our authentic dreams and goals out of the boat to make room for the daily events that come with being in a relationship. This can be especially true for women, given the historical importance of marriage for the women in our lineage. Committing to ourself can be a way to ground back into who we are at our core, our core values, our core beliefs, our core essence. Those are gems to be nurtured and honored. Betty Ray is a 2020 Mira Fellow where she is developing a program called Human Nature Academy. 
Before this, she spent the better part of 10 years working in senior leadership roles at the George Lucas Educational Foundation. Learn more about her work at BettyRay.net. Our music is by Terry Hughes. If you like the show, please share it with a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That is the very best way you can support this new baby show. Learn more at ShanePinata.com. I'm Colleen Thomas. Thanks for listening. through significant moments that aren't necessarily honored in society, like getting out of debt, becoming cancer-free, or outliving a parent. We can create ways to honor these important milestones. Get inspired at everchanging.net. That's ever-changing.net.